What a beautiful day God gave us today, isn't it? Man, it was so pretty when I came out this morning. Of course, it was dark, but it was so cool and just refreshing and just really glad that you're here to seek God this morning and to uh, see what God has to offer us from his word. We're in the midst of a sermon series called The Parables, and we're kind of looking at the parables that Jesus told. And so often his teaching was uh, just so brilliant through the parables, and the parables really uh, reveal to us what a picture of the kingdom of God looks like. and even gives us a little bit more information about who God is and what God is like. So today I want to just acknowledge that everyone here today probably enjoys and looks forward to celebrations. Celebrations are a significant part of our lives, right? I mean, think about it. We celebrate when we grow a year older by a birthday party. Uh, When somebody's pregnant or they have a baby, we have a baby shower, right? And when uh, we celebrate anniversaries, we celebrate home purchases, we celebrate New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, uh, we celebrate the Super Bowl. There's so many different things that we choose to celebrate. Uh, we even celebrate good friends when they're moving away by having a going away party. Now, you know, if you go to your going away party and they're a little too excited, you might wonder, you know, why are they really having the party? Nearly everybody loves to celebrate. We all enjoy a good party. And since that's the case, every one of us should be interested in today's Bible passage because it's really about the greatest celebration of all. The banquet being referred to in this parable is figurative for what we should call a celebration or a party. And in this story, Jesus gives us some insight into the greatest of all celebrations. We learn things such as the nature of the celebration, who's invited, who comes to the celebration, and who doesn't come to the celebration, and why in this case. So we're going to get into the details. I'm going to kind of look at this uh, by each section of the parable. Uh, But a summary, just quickly, of the main message of this parable to us would be, God is giving a party. Are you going to come? So let's start again. Look at verse 15. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. Your YouVersion app on your uh, phone, or it's going to be on the screen behind me as well. Verse 15. Jesus, uh, or the Bible tells us, when one of those at the table heard him say this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now, you need to understand the previous 14 verses here in this chapter, it's the same meal, and Jesus was giving some really serious instructions on the attitudes that were unacceptable at God's table. These were spiritual bad manners that were offensive to God and hindered uh, a blessed relationship with him. And at the end of this tense segment where Jesus is dialoguing with Pharisees who are sitting at the table, Jesus, uh, in verse 14, spoke about how the selfless person would be blessed by being repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So the reference to being blessed, a future resurrection, and inviting people to a banquet caused one of those present to think about and publicly comment on the blessing of those who are invited to what is sometimes called the Great Supper, or the Messianic Banquet of God. And this person was referring to a God-ordained celebration that the Old Testament often spoke of and figuratively describes of a feast or a banquet. So one reference to this would be in Isaiah 25.6, which Scripture says, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. So you can see this throughout the Old Testament, referring to the future when God king, God's kingdom fully comes. And so 
Jesus, at this moment, takes an advantage uh, of the opportunity to enlighten those who are at the table uh, and to us today about this celebration. He uses a parable to do this. And this is what we learn. And what we learn is exciting and it's encouraging, but it's also cautionary and serious. And I use the terms party, banquet, celebration today. I'm figuratively referring to the present and future aspects of being one of God's people. So let's take a look at what Jesus says in verse 16. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. The certain man in this story represents God. What's interesting is that this man who represents God is preparing a great banquet. In other words, God is preparing for a celebration or a party. It's, rather sho- it's a rather shocking picture of God for many people today. God is so often perceived as a heavenly sheriff who's ready to give you a ticket at the slightest infraction, or he's perceived like a miserly boss at work who you hope to please by enough hard work and sacrifice. Rarely is God perceived as one who would throw a party. Yet in the Bible, this is a regular theme and presentation. For instance, in the story of the prodigal son that Doug preached on a couple of weeks ago, you have the story of the father who who represents God. In the story, he throws a party for his lost son who returns home. And in the book of Revelation, the Bible refers to God's people participating in a great party known as the Great Wedding Supper or Banquet of the Lamb. In Isaiah 55, God invites everyone to freely come and share at his table where there is wine and milk, and you can even eat what is good and delight in the riches of fare. Even the religious life of the ancient Israelites revolved around seven feasts or celebrations throughout the year. Considering all these things, it's very evident that God isn't what some people perceive him to be. He loves to celebrate. He loves to help his people Prepare to experience his joyous, joyous celebrations. So I want you to truly understand what God is like. People constantly think God, that want, is, God is somebody who wants to take something away from them. People think that following God means a joyless existence because God is stern and he's demanding. This understanding of God is a character of, of religion. And it's not the reality of who God really is and his character. This picture is a distortion from Satan who has from the beginning tried to malign the goodness of God. You may be wondering to yourself, doesn't being a Christian and following God, uh, God, God's ways mean giving up some of the pleasures of this world? Doesn't it mean making sacrifices and living uh, by a new standard? And the answer is yes, it does. As Jesus said, you, we must all take up our cross to follow him. There are necessary sacrifices, and these sacrifices do not change the fact that God is a good God, and the responding to his invitation results in a life of celebration. This does not change the fact or lessen the joy of life in the kingdom of God any more than long lines at Disney World uh, change the fact that Disney World is just an awesome place to be and an awesome place to hang out. God has invited us to a party, not a prison. Life in the kingdom, Jesus is saying in this parable, is like a party. Even with sacrifices, it's a life of joy. It's a life of peace and purpose and fulfillment and eternal life. And the party is certainly a lot better than the parties of this world, which too many end with hangovers and regrets, shameful conduct, and ultimately lead to death. 
Now, some of the celebrations we have in our society are they're pretty lame and hardly worth considering getting excited about. Uh, I know a guy who actually worked in a frozen foods department of a grocery store for quite a while, and he told me that during the month of March, I didn't know this, but the month, month of March is National, National Frozen Food Month. Did you know this? Me either. And so I've never worked in a frozen food department. But he would tell me that his boss would make him put streamers in the frozen food department. They'd hang banners. They'd have sales promoting National Frozen Food Month. He said basically we were trying to have a party about National Food Frozen Food Month. And he said it's kind of lame. You know, like who wants to really celebrate frozen foods, right? So we have things like that that kind of cause us to go, it's really not worth celebrating. But, but the same lack of enthusiasm shouldn't be true about God's party. We should get very excited because Jesus describes it as a great party, a great banquet. Literally, this word for great in the original language is mega. It's like a party like you've never seen or experienced ever before. It's a mega party. This is not your Lipton onion soup dip mix hot dog chips party. This is a party you don't want to miss. This is the best party ever. So, And this is Jesus' main point. You're invited to God's party. Don't miss it. In the New Testament times, two invitations would oftentimes go out in these kind of situations where they would do a, have a, a big party or a big banquet. The first was given well in advance of the party to let you know the party was coming and asking for an RSVP. It would be much like weddings today where so often people send an invitation and ask for an RSVP. The same was true uh, in, during Jesus' day. And then when everything was ready, when all the preparations were done, and when the meal was ready, then the master would send out his servants to all the people who had re- replied that they were planning on coming to tell them, hey, the banquet's ready. It's time to come. The food is ready. Come. The party's going to get started. You'd think that such a wonderful invitation and news would cause people to stop whatever they're doing and whatever they're engaged in and go to the party. But that's not what happened when we see when we look in verses 18 through, through 20. Of course, even today, people have been invited into a wonderful, joyous uh, relationship with God, but so often they reject that invitation also. Let's look at verses eight, uh, 18 through 20. Jesus continued. He said, But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. So the, all that received the first invitations have said that they will come. And now the servant goes out to let them know the meal's complete, the, the feast is going to begin. It's time to come. And to opt out of the meal at this point would be very rude. And at this point, the, the story gets very interesting. Three of the invitees, again, who've previously accepted, they opt out of coming. Each of them has what he considers to be a good excuse. One wants to check out a recently bought field. Now, we need to understand a few things. When, when these feasts would usually occur late in the day, usually late, late afternoon or even into the evening because they wanted to wait until the cooler temperatures would come. And so just think about this. This guy who went to look out, uh, look at his field, think about it. The light of the day would have made it difficult to see the field in detail. Uh, so, you know, and also... What, there's not going to be any work that's going to be done in this field that late in the day or that in the evening. And so this is real reason for going to want to inspect the field. 
Maybe it was because he just bought this really impressive piece of land and he just wanted to go and enjoy being proud of the fact that he could go get this piece of land. Now we think about the second guy who had the excuse. He said, hey, I recently bought five pair of oxen and I want to go inspect them. And so it would be important for somebody to go inspect their livestock that they had purchased. But again, he knew about the meal. He had responded initially that he would come to the meal. But now when the invitation came, he's like, he's begging off. He's like, ah, I'm going to go check out my ox. Now, he could have done that uh, the next day. Or he could have done it later in the evening, but he chose to, uh, to decline the invitation. And, and then finally, you've got the man who is recently married. He wants to spend the evening with his bride. Now, this would have not been their honeymoon because, again, this guy knew about the wedding, knew about the, the banquet feast. He had replied that he was planning on coming. And so it would have been later on in the year, and just simply he was like, you know what, comes down to it, I just want to spend a night with my wife instead of come to this really uh, great banquet. So the invitation came at a bad time for these three guys. It would interfere with their business, their relationships, their possessions, and other concerns. And these are all good things. And yet their decision to miss the feast causes them to miss the best. They had other priorities. There's certainly nothing wrong with uh, owning a farm, with examining livestock uh, or in purchases or spending an evening with your wife. But if these good things keep you from enjoying the best things, then they become bad things. The point Jesus is making here is not that God will not accept lame excuses for rejecting his offer of celebration and abundant life. The point is, is that God will not accept any excuses, no matter how seemingly legitimate for not accepting his invitation. He must have the priority in your life. This is the message for all who are not responding to his invitation to enter into a real relationship with him because doing so would interfere with their other interests. A choice must be made between worldly concerns and joining God's party. If you miss God's party, it isn't because you weren't invited. It's because you chose to make other things a priority over responding to his invitation. You're invited to God's party. Don't miss it. Let's look at verses 21 through 23. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. The servant tells the master about the last minute cancellations. The host is in a dilemma. Does he still host the party and, and, you know, or does he move it to a better date? Even though the food is ready, it's been prepared. The party will go on as scheduled, he decides. The owner of the house who represents God became angry. And this tells us how God feels about our excuses for rejecting his wonderful and his costly offer of life. Hebrews 2.3 says, How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? God is wonderful, patient, and merciful. He will forgive every sin. He's amazingly patient and kind, even when we keep messing up as Christians. But God will be angry when people reject his offer of the real good life. When the creator of the universe, the one who gives us life, offers an invitation 
to join him at his kingdom feast, we should accept it. When he sends his only son, Jesus, as God in flesh, God's messenger to a fallen, broken, sin-filled world, we should accept him. You know, when God sacrifices his son so that the feast is even possible, you should take him up on his offer. When God issues an invitation to sit at the table of divine welcome and forgiveness, we should take it. You know, I moved to Salina, Kansas when I was a freshman in high school. I was in the middle of my freshman year. Didn't know anybody in the town or anybody at the school. And that's always really fun, you know, when you move in the middle of high school. Not. It's not very fun. But when I moved to town, you know, uh, one of the things that happens when you're the new guy is that you don't get invited to any parties. You know, the groups of people at school, when they have various activities or parties, they don't invite you because they don't know you. And you're not part of the group yet. And it takes a while to figure out who you are and what group you actually belong to. You know, like, are you in the group that are the athletes? Are you in the group that's the popular crowd? Are you in the the drama and the music crowd? Are you in the bad boy crowd? Are you, you know, you can just fill in all these different groups at high school. And they don't know you. You don't know them. And it takes a while to figure all that out. And so when I got here, I didn't get any invitations to any parties. But, you know, I didn't expect any invitations to any, part, any parties. I knew. I'm, I'm new. It's going to take a while to make those relationships. Well, a similar feeling or attitude is sometimes held by people concerning God's party. Here's the deal. They do not feel like they're invited or that they're going to fit in as far as a real relationship with God is concerned. Usually it's because of their lifestyle, uh, which may have been and could still be sinful, The feeling among many is that they're not invited, they're not welcome in a relationship with God because they're not very well behaved, or they're not religious enough, or they're not spiritually acceptable for one reason or another. The good news is, is that you're on the guest list. No matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've done it, no matter where you've done it, you're invited to God's party. And even though you may not consider yourself acceptable, this is the message of verses 21 through 23. The poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Now, those are real people that God is inviting into his kingdom, but it's also a metaphor for those who are spiritually unworthy to come to God's table but are invited and welcome anyway. The reference in verse 23 to those who in the roads and the country lanes could have been a reference to the Gentiles or to those who were so wicked that they weren't even welcome in town any longer. In either case, the point is the same. Everybody is welcome. Everybody is invited to God's party. And as was pointed out in the parable, there is still room for more. So if you haven't heard, you're invited to God's party. Don't miss it. Before moving on to verse 24, I want to point out two characteristics of the servant's mission in bringing others into the party. Since we're now the servants of God uh, who are inviting others to God's party. First, they were told to go quickly into the streets and invite others. There was an urgency to getting the message out of the gospel to these folks. The second point I want to make is that they're also told to compel them to come in, which does not mean to use physical force or threats, but rather to a joyful attitude that makes us Um, that makes it clear just how awesome an an invitation that God is giving to us and to others, to everyone. Sometimes I think that Christians think about God's love and grace with the same enthusiasm that Eeyore does. You know Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? You know, this is, uh, here it is. Jesus loves me. This I know. 
or the Bible tells me so. You know, that's the attitude that sometimes you perceive from Christians. And, you know, if that's your enthusiasm level for inviting others into God's kingdom, into the God's party, then I would say just keep the secret to yourself. But I don't think that's what Jesus means when he says compel them to come in. The reality is that we were beggars just like the other beggars that Jesus is asking us to go and share the good news with. We are all spiritual beggars until we receive that invitation and accept it. And so out of a heart full of thanksgiving and joy, realizing this great thing that's come to us through the invitation from God, we ought to be compelled to go out and compel others to come in. There's not a better party in the whole world. There's not a better party in the creation of everything that we know. This is it. This is not a party God wants anybody to miss. But as verse 24 points out, some will. Jesus goes on. This is the host speaking, says, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. What he's saying here is one of those who was invited and who said they would come, and now they're declining, they're not going to get to taste the banquet. The parable of the great banquet is a painfully tragic description of opportunity missed. The point is that an opportunity to sit and share in the blessings of God is being offered, and we must respond to the invitation. Nothing in life should get in the way of responding to what God is doing through Jesus. If we have not fully accepted God's invitation to receive Christ as our Savior and reserved our place at the banquet of God's eternal kingdom, we need to be careful. We need to be careful not to presume that God will eventually bless us. Many delay foolishly because they think God isn't judging us right now while we're living, and certainly he'll be okay with us after we die. And others think, or they think they're going to be able to repent at the last minute. And I've known people who, learning of God's grace and salvation, say, that's great, but I'm going to wait until the last minute before I die. That way I can live life the way I want to live it now. And that remark just ignores one important fact. Scripture warns that the longer we refuse the offer, the more likely we, have, we will have a hardness of heart that becomes callous to any word from God. There are many excuses people give for not responding to God's invitation. In college, you know, it can be things like, you know, that's going to cramp my lifestyle. So I'm going to wait a while. Later in life, it's, you know, I don't need that crutch. You know, it's going to be okay. Those responses are attempts to gain freedom from accountability and responsibility to God. They are, if I want to be blunt, a form of self-idolatry. It places God in the position of waiting on us. And that type of pride is precisely why God's choosing to invite the poor, the lame, the blind, the crippled is so important. It reveals how God values the humble and the needy. Those who know their need and position before God are the ones that he will bring to himself. The parable also teaches us that God is not caught by surprise when some reject him. The celebration of blessing goes on without the original invitees. And by God's grace, others are invited to the table. The important question is not when we are, when we are invited to the table, but that we come when we are invited. God graciously continues to call people to the banquet. And if some refuse, others are going to be found. The loss is not God's, but those who miss the party. Let me say it again. You're invited to God's party. Don't miss it. You know, Tony Campolo, just an awesome Christian author, tells a story 
about a trip that he made to Hawaii. He lived on the East Coast, and so that journey, that flight to Hawaii was, you know, a lot of different time changes, and, and jet lag kept him up late into the night, and he went for a walk on the streets in Honolulu. And at 2 in the morning, he found himself in an all-night diner. And sitting at the counter, he overheard several prostitutes who were sharing a booth nearby. One of the girls, whose name was Agnes, mentioned that it was her birthday. And after she left, Tony looked to the cook and, he, and, and the other prostitutes, and he said, Hey, I got an idea. He goes, Let's throw a party for Agnes tomorrow night when she comes back. And the other girls agreed to bring decorations, and the cook said that he would bake a birthday cake for her. And so the next night, they all gathered in the diner, and when Agnes walked in, they brought out the cake, and they began to sing happy birthday to her. And tears were streaming down her face, and when it came time to cut the cake, she just stood there and didn't do anything. And finally, she said, this is the first time anybody has ever made me a birthday cake. She said, could I, could I buy another cake and we, eat this one? we don't eat this one? I want to take this one back to my mom and show her. And with that, she took the cake, and she left. And in sudden silence that filled the diner, uh, Tony bowed his head and began to pray a prayer, just a short prayer out loud. He said, Lord, thank you for Agnes and for your love for her. You loved her enough to send your son to die for her on the cross. We thank you for the best present of all, the present of your own son, Jesus. Amen. And when he raised his head, he noticed that the other prostitutes, their head had been bowed, and they were praying with him. And the cook looked at him and he said, you must be a preacher, aren't you? And he said, yeah, I am. And the cook asked, what kind of church do you have? And in a sudden flash of insight, Tony replied, the kind that throws parties for prostitutes and invites sinners to God's table. Have you heard the invitation to you from God to join him at his kingdom banquet? A party like no other party that this world can even remotely offer? You're invited to God's party. Don't miss it. And if you're ready to receive that invitation this morning, great. I'm going to take some time in the closing prayer to invite you to pray silently with me and for you to basically, you're going to RSVP to this awesome invitation that God is giving to all of us. And if you've already accepted God's invitation, then continue to live in gratitude for God's grace in your life. But remember, we're God's servants. We're like the servants in the parable now. We're his ambassadors. He's given us the message to invite everybody to his kingdom party. Who's on your mind? Who's God put on your mind to think about this great invitation who maybe hasn't yet accepted that invitation to join, to join God's banquet feast? If people come to your mind right now, I just want you to take out your worship guide and write their names on the back of the worship guide. Even if it's one person, just go ahead right now and write their name down. And what I want you to do after the service is over, take that worship guide home and go ask God simply in a prayer, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me, what's the next step you want me to take in my relationship with this person to begin to invite them to your great kingdom feast? If you don't invite them, who will? We're God's servants. We're God's messengers. We're God's ambassadors. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this incredible invitation that has come to us uh, by your love and by your grace and through your son, the gift of your son, Jesus, his life and his death on the cross and the power of the resurrection. 
God, you've given us an invitation to the most incredible party, the best banquet feast that we could even imagine. And we don't deserve it. We didn't earn that invitation. In fact, we're beggars like the rest of them in the story. But yet, your love and your grace compelled Christ to come to us. And God, we're thankful. For those of us who've accepted it and received it, God, we're so thankful for the different future that we have because of your love. Help us to live as your faithful servants, as messengers who are compelled to share the good news of that invitation with so many others in our lives who don't yet know or haven't yet received that. If you're here this morning and you've heard this invitation, you've not made that decision yet, but today you're feeling, I want to, re- I want to accept that invitation. I want to be at God's table. I want to be a part of the, the party that's going to happen for all eternity. And I just simply invite you in the quietness of your heart right now to pray this prayer that I'm praying, and it will be your RSVP. Lord Jesus, thank you for this incredible invitation to be at God's table for all of eternity. Jesus, I know that I I don't deserve this. I know I've fallen short. I know that I've done wrong things in my life. But I'm thankful for your love and your grace and your invitation. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for those sins that I've committed. And I'm making a decision today to receive this invitation to accept you as my Lord and my Savior, as the leader of my life. Jesus, I want to follow you and I want to be a part of this great party in the kingdom of God. And so I offer you my heart. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.